0: Broadcasting live from the Business Radio X studios in Atlanta, Georgia, it's time for Top Docs Radio, brought to you by Hyperbaric Physicians of Georgia, a comprehensive wound resolution, and UHMS-accredited hyperbaric medicine practice, with four offices to serve you. Find us on the web at www.hbomdga.com, Facebook and Twitter at HBOMDGA. Hey, what's up, everyone? It is CW. Thank you for checking out the Top Docs radio show. On this week's episode, I had the opportunity to sit down with a physician I've known for a little while now through the practice that I was a part of, Hyperbaric Physicians of Georgia. It's Dr. Scott Beach. He's an interventional cardiologist with offices in Cumming, Johns Creek, and Canton, Georgia. Scott stopped by the studio this week to introduce the community to his practice, as well as to share some basic information about vascular disease that affects the heart, brain, and the limbs, in particular, the lower extremities, especially so in patients. Patients that have risk factors like family histories of vascular disease, diabetics, for example, people with hypertension, smokers, etc. All these folks have a high risk for developing vascular disease. And in many cases, the symptoms that are developing, that are indicating problems are arising are so slow developing and so minor seemingly in the early days that many patients ignore them waiting until... Things have gotten to a critical point before they have to seek medical care out of an emergency. We talked about the importance of early detection of these problems and how vital it is for primary care physicians and other practitioners as well as foot and ankle surgeons to be thinking about the presence of vascular disease and not just relying on exam findings like peripheral pulses, for example, to determine whether or not vascular disease is developing in a patient. Scott shared some information on when it would be advisable to consider getting a vascular study, whether it's a non-invasive ultrasound or Doppler study, or something a little more advanced like an angiography to determine Whether vascular disease is in fact developing and try to catch it at that early phase in the disease process where the treatment options are more abundant and have a greater likelihood of a full or at least significant reduction in the advance of that blocking disease that would lead to problems down the road like amputation, heart attack, stroke, et cetera. Here's Scott talking about why he chose medicine as his career path and why he selected cardiology as his chosen field of clinical practice. Check it out.
1: Medicine in general, I think is a great field. And I'm asked this quite a bit by my kids and their friends. And it's a spot in the world where you get to give back, you get to make a difference. And In cardiology specifically, you a lot of times get to make an immediate difference. I like the ability to be able to do procedural type work, but then also have a clinic where you get to know your patients, you get to see them, you get to meet their families. So it's not just you do a procedure and then you never see the patient again. You have relationships at last. So that's what
0: I really enjoy about cardiology. Stick around. I've got the full interview with interventional cardiologist, Dr. Scott Beach, Coming up next. Good afternoon, everyone. It is C.W. Hall, your host here on the Top Docs Radio Show. Thank you for joining us today, making us a part of your day. I'm sitting in the studio with a guy I've known now for a few years, Dr. Scott Beach of Heart and Vascular Care, located incoming. Do you all have another office elsewhere as well? We do. We have... Uh office in Canton, Georgia, Okay, and Johns Creek, Georgia. That's right. So they have several locations to be close to those folks that live around the, the northern Atlanta metro, for sure. And we've worked with them a little bit through our practice as well when their patients need it. But thanks for taking some time. I know you and your folks are busy. For sure. So taking a few minutes to share some information is great. Now I appreciate your uh, offer to bring us here, and anytime we have the opportunity to
1: educate and improve awareness in the disease processes we treat, we'd like to take advantage of that.
0: For folks who aren't familiar with Scott Beach, talk about why did you why did you choose medicine, and then w- once you got there and were going through your training, you decided you know I sleep is not really it's kind of <laughs> overrated. I think I'll be a cardiologist.
1: <laughs> Interesting um, medicine in general, I think, is it's a great field. And I'm asked this quite a bit by my kids and their friends. And it's a spot in the world where you get to give back, you get to make a difference. And in cardiology specifically, you a lot of times get to make an immediate difference. I like the ability to be able to do procedural type work, but then also have a clinic where you get to know your patients, you get to see them, you get to meet their families. So it's not just you do a procedure and then you never see the patient again. Right. You have relationships at last. So
0: that's what I really enjoy about cardiology. And once they develop that sort of an issue that would require your services, because we're talking about interventional cardiology, correct? Right? Um, obviously, they're going to need continuous follow-up over time just to make sure that everything's staying open, that they, you catch anything before blockages occur. So you get to have a long-term cool. relationship. Usually.
1: Prevention is huge. And we love to meet people in the early stages. Um, but sometimes we don't have that ability and we meet them after they have an event such as a heart attack. And at that point, once we alleviate the immediate need for our services, then it's about keeping that patient healthy, getting them on the right track, getting them in a position where eating healthy, exercise is
0: an important part of their life. We'll talk about the different types of care that you're going to provide for a patient who gets referred to you? Because it's not, we talk about cardiology and everybody obviously thinks about the heart, but you you all work with the vascular system in a number of different ways just because of the technology that they have now allows you to do similar types of procedures, but in different parts of the body.
1: Absolutely. We are cardiovascular physicians, which means, yes, obviously the heart comes first. And a lot of times patients are referred to us and People see us as heart doctors, but in reality, the same disease process that occurs in the heart occurs in other territories, such as the legs, such as the carotid arteries. Um, And so these are places where not only we perform diagnostic type procedures, but also interventional procedures. And once again, medical management lifestyle, I believe, is a big part
0: of all those disease processes. And so, when we're talking about peripheral arterial disease of the, of the legs, I mean, what kinds of problems are we talking about? It seems like in, in our, our experience through the wound side, we're seeing constantly many of those patients that have vascular disease also are diabetic, for example, sure. which does its own set of damage. But what sorts of problems kind of fall under that? So, in
1: the wound side of it, you're seeing the extreme of peripheral arterial disease The more common presentation is the patient who complains of pain in their calves, pain in their legs when they're walking, increased leg fatigue, um, just heaviness in the legs. Any of these symptoms can be a sign that that patient does have an atherosclerotic problem or peripheral arterial disease.
0: And from what I understand, those symptoms, having achy calves, for example, when I start walking or just feeling tired, are often kind of sneaky. They come on kind sure. of slowly in many cases. A lot of times people don't even realize that they've started to limit their physical activity. Right, yeah, that's what uh, I'm talking about. They, they they just think I'm getting older they, and They blame down. it on age,
1: and yeah. I, I never blame anything on age. Um, if someone has a symptom that limits their lifestyle, especially whether it's going back to the heart, chest pressure, shortness of breath, you can't say I'm just getting older and that's just part of it. Um, With the legs, anytime someone complains of calf pain, leg heaviness, uh, the achiness that would limit their ability to walk, you got to explain that. Maybe it is just I'm deconditioned, and in that case, hey, we need to exercise more. Or could it be some pathologic problem that needs to be investigated, potentially treated? Um, A lot of times we treat those disease processes with exercise. That's a lot of the initial treatment therapy, but sometimes they need more than that.
0: And when you get that patient in, what's the what's the flow? I mean, if, if my either my internal medicine physician or perhaps a cardiologist has taken a look at me and they say, well, we think there's some issues, we're going to send you over to Dr. Beach, what's the flow from there? What are you going to do with them?
1: Well, first of all, physical exam. Nothing takes the place of a physical exam. So we talk to the patient, we understand what their life is, where they're being limited, and... From there, we decide if they even need a diagnostic test. And if they do, then we tailor it towards their complaint and what disease process we feel we're dealing with. Maybe an ultrasound, um, it may be an angiogram, it may be a CAT scan. It really is something that has to be individualized based on each person that walks through the door. You can't set up an algorithm where everybody just flows through one one system. It, it's something that you have to look at each person individually and make that decision.
0: Now, it's been a long time since I was working in the hospital in cardiovascular intensive care, so I'm sure the technologies that you guys are using nowadays has changed a lot. So what, what sorts of ways are you able, if someone has that arterial blockage, mm-hmm. whether it's due to a long-term uh, condition of diabetes uh, or whatever the case may be, that's led them to have some blocked flow. How do you open that nowadays? So it's, it's
1: great. and The interventional cardiology world is well geared towards treating this disease because it's the same thing and the same techniques that we use when we're treating cardiovascular or cardiac disease, such as a heart attack or a blocked artery in a, a coronary bed. So we do the angiogram. We access an artery. Um, we use dye. Um, as it's called uh, in the typical world. And we can visualize those arteries, decide where the blockage is. We have multiple techniques to open, to remove the plaque, um, to create a channel where now blood and oxygen can flow. We use stents. We use devices called atherectomy devices, which actually can shave the plaque and actually remove some of that plaque uh, to restore the blood flow and ultimately get that patient to be active again and not have that limitation.
0: And for what I understand, some of those technologies now are enabling you to be even more precise with regards to what's getting shaved, for example, sure. so to avoid damaging the inside of the artery, which then can cause scarring. I guess scarring ends up being the thing that causes problems after the fact in most cases, is that right? Sure,
1: you can have what's called restenosis from yeah. a damaged vessel, um, but we have techniques that are actually directional atherectomy where we can control where and how much um, plaque we take out. And the, the good news is there's so much technology now and different devices that are very specific for the type of disease that patient
0: has. And one of the things that I know a lot of people end up dealing with, but I, I, I feel like we talked about the fact that many patients will deal with oncome of onset of symptoms for uh, peripheral arterial disease. But I, I think another area where a lot of patients just kind of deal with it and not necessarily seek help is when they're having problems in their lower extremities for vein problems. Absolutely. Um You know, a lot of the women, obviously, are going to be familiar with the whole spider veins things. And and outside of aesthetics, there's some other reasons to be worried about that.
1: Absolutely. So the term is peripheral venous insufficiency. That's the the actual diagnosis. And those spider veins that uh, you see can be an underlying issue that's uh, much deeper than just the spider vein you see. Peripheral venous insufficiency can also cause symptoms in the lower extremities, uh, heaviness, swelling. Um, and it is probably the most common vascular disease out there, much more prevalent than peripheral arterial disease. Mm. When we talk about venous insufficiency, I would say 30 million people. Then to talk about how it's not only under-diagnosed uh, and undertreated, probably only 2 million of those people, based on our studies, actually present for treatment for this.
0: And we're talking about I think a lot of times we we think about the the females just because they're wearing a dress and and so you can actually see the the spider veins for example when they have them and and so it's always around aesthetics and and that sort of thing but men are also a- able absolutely to have these problems in
1: our practice I would say the the gender is is fifty fifty um, I do not let just because someone's a male deter me from thinking about. You know the fact that the differential diagnosis could include venous insufficiency, and the other issue is, you know, a patient shows up in a primary care office with swelling or edema, and they're automatically treated with a diuretic pill. I mean, you got to realize some of these therapies that we've used for this could actually hurt patients as far as hurt their kidney function. Um, so to think about. And to increase the awareness of venous insufficiency as a potential cause of these types of things is huge, and the awareness just hasn't been there.
0: Now, will you will you always be able to see the swollen vein or the near the surface vein to have not, problems not
1: necessarily? It? Um, patients can, on from an external standpoint, really not have any symptoms. Most of them will have some spider veins or what we call varicosities. but some people just complain of at the end of the day, my legs ache; they're heavy. I feel like I'm carrying around concrete in my shoes. That's one complaint that I've heard. And so when you hear that, you got to think about it because it is something that can occur in young people, as we said, male and female. It's just extremely common.
0: And from what I understand nowadays, the ways that you can treat those types of problems are getting very advanced and minimally invasive that that's a yeah, great very term. Very easy to do.
1: Minimally invasive is the key. And um, the endovenous therapies that we use to really treat and cure venous insufficiency is, is so simple. The the risk is very minimal. Um, but we can't also ignore the conservative approach, which is exercise, compression therapy. These are things that we always implement. And sometimes that's enough to take care of the symptoms. And they do not need an actual endovascular procedure. But if we get to that point, it is that it's minimally invasive. The amount of downtime for the patient is, you know, literally I've had people go back to work that same day after they've had the procedure.
0: And when you think about, because we get listened to by both lay people out in the community, just people who's loved ones would be a patient or they mm-hmm. themselves would be a patient. We also get listened to a lot by uh, other providers out there. And and over time, uh, being at some uh, cardiovascular presentations in the past, I've seen physicians and and uh, in some cases, for example, podiatrists asking, when should I send my patient? When should I think about having a, a vascular study sure. done? And I think that talking about those things are important just because Sooner is always better, particularly if we're dealing with a wound. I can say that from our own practice perspective on that regard. So when you think about what I wish my patients knew or what I wish my referring physicians knew in terms of timing or things to request, what would you say? I
1: would say the earlier the better. If a patient has symptoms or clinical signs of either peripheral arterial disease or peripheral venous insufficiency, I believe having a cardiovascular specialist involved up front not to quote unquote do a procedure, but to manage risk factors, to also give our opinion to them about an exercise program. You get involved early so that we can be part of the preventative stage of
0: this and make a difference down the road. Yeah, but Dr. Beach, I can palpate their pulses. I can, sure. I can feel their pulses. They surely don't mm-hmm. have vascular disease.
1: and And that is <laughs> quite the opposite. There is a a well-known thing that us in, in our world see, which is collateral circulation, where you can still feel a pulse. Yeah. However, there may be a 100% blockage of one of their major arteries, so then when that patient tries to walk you know, 20 feet down the road, all of a sudden those collaterals aren't enough to deliver the oxygen to that area. So just because you can palpate a pulse, you still have to pay attention to what the patient's telling you and their symptoms.
0: And for the for the patient out there whose loved one is dealing with a wound, one of the things that I would say from the wound specialty side of things, uh, because I know it's our our physicians' practice, is that if you have a wound in place and you have other risk factors for heart disease or vascular disease, like diabetes for a long period of time, um, or maybe if some family history, for example, that's concerning that that you too might have some vascular disease going on, and you are dealing with a wound healing slowly, maybe you're in the care of a a foot and ankle specialist or somebody who deals with wounds, and you've not been sent for a vascular study. You need to request it today.
1: Absolutely. I think once the wound is present, then the fact that if that patient doesn't have a vascular evaluation, I think you're doing a disservice. That patient, you want them to heal. We all have the same goals. When it comes to wound care and to have a group of physicians working together is really what it takes. A multi-specialty group on your side, making sure that number one, we're delivering the necessary oxygen to that tissue for it to heal so that the wound care doc can do their job.
0: We we would also recommend for those patients, again, the ones that are in that higher risk group, particularly if they have diabetes, et cetera, and other risk factors for vascular disease and Last year, they got a intervention done that opened up a vascular uh, blockage in their lower extremity, for example. Um, it's sometimes thought, well, they they had some vascular disease. They got it fixed last year, so we're good to go. We, we always recommend, if it's been uh, more than a year since a study since they got that vascular procedure done, we recommend restu- restudying if a wound is present.
1: Absolutely. And that may be as simple as an ultrasound. You know, it may not be an invasive test. It may be a CAT scan. But I agree completely. If there's a new wound, just because something was quote unquote fixed, that may be that particular area or that vascular territory. But this disease can occur anywhere in any arterial tissue or or conduit. You can develop a, a new blockage. And the other risk factor that I think has to be mentioned, because I feel like, yes, diabetes is a big one, but tobacco abuse. Tobacco abuse is huge, not only for coronary artery disease, but also peripheral arterial disease.
0: And I know I got to get you back to the office here pretty quick, but are there any final thoughts that you really wish either that patient out there or the loved one of a patient or or a referring physician would think about as they?
1: Yeah, I think interacted. that you, you have to think about peripheral arterial disease and peripheral venous insufficiency if you're having symptoms. If you have um Clinical findings, if you have the varicose veins and you're having leg heaviness, if you have a wound, if you have a non-healing wound especially, just think about it. We have to realize as a medical community, um, we're not very good at diagnosing these things. It's not something that every physician is aware of, especially on the venous side. It's not something that a lot of us were taught during our medical training. So we have to stay up to date. We have to think about it. Sometimes it has to be patient driven. The patient brings it up to their physician. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, we're, we love the chance to not only educate, but also make patients and family members and other physicians aware of these
0: disease processes, which are extremely Prevalent in our time. We've been talking with Dr. Scott Beach, interventional cardiologist and vascular specialist with Heart and Vascular Care Incorporated, located in Cumming, Canton, and Johns Creek. Uh, If you want more information about Dr. Beach and his colleagues, you can go to their website at hvcmd, as in doctor, hvcmd.com. And uh, they're also on Facebook at facebook.com slash hvcmd. Uh, They've got an email that you can inquire. If you have questions, uh, you can send something to help at HVCMD.com. And the phone number for the practice is 678-513-2273, 678-513-2273. And uh, I really appreciate Scott coming by to talk a little bit about the practice, get you introduced to him and his colleagues. We certainly, uh, we have no problem sending ourselves or our family to this group of doctors. We work with them over time, and we know that they definitely, as he was saying, value a multi-specialty approach when when patients are dealing with particularly complex issues. And that's always going to be hastening the the best outcome for the patient, which is what we're all about. So thanks so much for trekking into town to to share with us. Thank you for the opportunity. We appreciate it. And make sure that you go to the upper left-hand corner of the show page. You'll see the Apple logo there. That'll take you to the Top Docs Radio Show podcast on iTunes. And you can subscribe to us. That way, each week when the new episode comes out, you can have it downloaded straight to your device for the ride to work, walking the dog, whatever the case may be. And we hope you turn around and share this information with your social network because you might just put some information in the hands of somebody that you care about that makes a difference for them or somebody that they love so we really want to say thank you very much in advance for, for sharing this information with your folks out there and uh, Scott I'm sure we'll be coming back to talk about some other things down the road there's other vascular issues that we can share some information on so I look forward to it thank you very much alright man we'll talk to you down the road bye bye